top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show bringing you all the action from the Premier League and Syria. I'm your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom. Dom, how are you tonight? Doing all right. I, uh, I took a personal day today, so I didn't, I didn't go into work today. So, you know, tried to enjoy my day as much free time that I had. Uh, I had to get some stuff done. So but I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing great, living, thriving, surviving. Uh, we could all use a personal day. Uh, you got them, use them. Um, before we get into the show, then we got a sponsor. We got to talk about here. Uh, really, the the entire Underground Sports Philadelphia Network is brought to you by PHI Apparel. Um, Apparel Company, sorry. Uh, PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly. Their original designs for all. There's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. Uh, you can use our promo, go- promo code UNDERGROUND uh, for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. Uh, that is phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10%, 10% off any apparel. 10%. So 10 croissant. Croissant. Um, I don't oh, know if they're hitting sick too. but uh, yeah, some uh, some good stuff on there, and uh, you know, keep it locked on because new apparel could be at that site. So you know, maybe 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 just keep your eyes peeled on it. That's all I'll say. Um, we had a fantastic weekend, and we've had some pretty good midweek games already. Uh, we're going to be reflecting on the weekend that was. We're going to start with uh, what has been the game of the season in a lot of ways in the Premier League between Liverpool and Manchester City over the last five years. Pretty much every time these two teams play, it has either been uh, very high stakes, high anxiety, if you happen to be a fan of either team. And uh, usually a good amount of goals. Uh, didn't quite deliver on the goals. Definitely over-delivered on the, uh, the tension and I think the feistiness. This is, I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, where this you know, rivalry where, where these two teams rank and, and, you know, amongst, you know, English history and, you know, some of those great teams. I think a lot of people point to the Arsenal Manchester United games of, of the late nineties, early two thousands. And I think this game was the closest that we've gotten to those types of games in terms of like the, the ferocity. And I think some of the pent up anger, uh, we've seen that bubble up a few times, but I think these two teams have played each other enough now too, where you start to, 
once you start to have those like constant meetings, um, even just outside the league, you know, they play each other last year in the FA Cup as well. Uh, you know, they play the Community Shield again this year. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, they just had these like tight encounters. And I, I feel like that is, uh, that is really like brought up the, the tension an extra level. I get the sense too that honestly, like, frankly, they, they hate each other now. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. care what anyone says, uh, especially Bernardo Silva really seems to hate Liverpool. And I think everyone kind of takes some joy in, uh, in just sticking elbows into ribs a little bit. And, uh, that's all part of it. And I got a little ugly, like post game where like, um, Manchester City briefed these reporters to say that Klopp was being xenophobic when uh, he just said that City can spend any amount of money that they want, which is true. Um, and they since had to delete that because uh, now Klopp is taking legal action against the uh, the authors who, who wrote that article. So congrats, Bozo. Uh, you sold out for uh, for some, uh, some oil money. Good for you. Um, about the game, though, Liverpool won. Manchester City. You're no. a very happy man. You are very, very happy. Well, not, listen, I got to say, on a personal note, it was a great sports weekend for me. Um, it and really I, was. I went into this not totally thinking that uh, I, I really would have put money on Manchester City winning this. Uh, you know, the, the Friday, uh, Kanate gets injured, and, you know, that means that Milner's going to have to start at right back. Gomez's going to have to shuffle into center back, and Milner uh, against Phil Foden was uh, something that – you know, I think <laughs> made me very worried, at least the lead to the game, but it ended up not mattering all that much. Um, I would say largely speaking, you know, Liverpool were able to, to control Manchester City's uh, chances. This is a team that's been scoring a lot of goals in a lot of different ways. And Erling Holland had some half chances, which for him, you know, are just as good as full chances for everyone else. But largely speaking, Liverpool controlled them pretty well and had some, some good chances of their own. They get the, uh, the lone goal through, just a fantastic Mohamed Salah goal. Uh, just by the way, I mean, Jao Cancelo, I, I'm surprised he's not getting the Trent Alexander Arnold treatment because he gets spun like a Beyblade uh, at uh, at half field. Um, I'm just saying, if that's Trent, you know, that's like the national and international discourse for the next three weeks is, uh, is about how bad defensively he is and what a brain dead loser he is. Uh, <laughs> weird how no one does that for Jao Cancelo. I don't know. Uh, Wait, I'll, I'll say this that. When you link up one of the best goal scorers in the world with one of the best passing goalies in the world, you get results like that. I mean, that is that was just a, a beautiful play, just from the stop, gets it real quick. Allison sees him up the field and just plays it like the quality from Salah too. And, it's, and that wasn't the first time in the game that he was like one on one with the keeper. Uh, uh, Ederson made a good save on another one that he had earlier in the game. So, I mean. To me, it looked like like a classic Liverpool, you know, like win, right? They kind of just catch you on a counter. You're going to pay for it, and then their defense is going to shut it down. To me, it looked like they tried to make Holland beat them with – or like kind of play to Liverpool's strength in the back, which is which is like being in the air, right? Because that, that those were like the half chances that Holland got, right? It was mainly just like headers and – Although it's Holland and he he can score one of those, like you said, it you know it's not an easy task when you're going up against Virgil Van Dijk in the air, or you know Joe Gomez is kind of like putting slight pressure. You know, it's a very strong showing from Liverpool, who have been asked, like who have been questioned, you know, recently. So, 
Yeah, by recently mean this whole season, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a classic in the sense, too, that Liverpool uh, were, were thoroughly outpossessed in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 63% uh, possession for Manchester City in this one. But if you're going by XG, Liverpool 2.07, uh, Manchester City uh, 0.98 for the game. In-game XG again, I just I, I have to say it every time. It's just, it can be a little wonky, uh, but I think it, it can show, you know, maybe who had the, the higher quality chances. Um, yeah, Liverpool, I, I think, again, it, it was a, a little bit more like vintage, you know, maybe like 17, 18 uh, with a little bit more like a the later season's defending ability, um, you know, just in terms of, again, like catching uh, catching teams uh, on the break, uh, you know, and, and finding that speed and that pace, which uh, which can be so devastating. And, you know, Darwin Nunez uh, comes on and, and probably could have had uh, an assist. It really could have just been all casual at the end, a uh, 2-0 win, but uh, just chose wrong. He made up for it today by by scoring a, a a great goal against West Ham and really almost had a hat trick. He's getting into again, you know, Luis Suarez territory where he sort of has these like amazing moments that you just can't believe what you're watching, and then he has these other moments where it's like I don't know how this guy's. I can't believe what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, he, he <laughs> takes it to the extreme on both sides, but uh, I've been really impressed with with him in this last like two weeks. I think I, I, really since returning from the suspension, I think uh, you look at his underlying numbers. This is a guy that, and, and again, you saw today with his, his, his goal um, that is kind of just ready to explode with goals. Um, you know, if you're going by like XG per 90, he's actually outperforming Erling Holland. You know, you, have, you actually have to put the goals in, the, you know, in, you're right. It's, it's one thing to have them be theoretical, but you have to actually convert them into something. But yeah, I think this is a guy that I, I wouldn't be shocked if we're like in, February, March, talking about like what a great debut season mm-hmm. it's been for him. He's on, you know, 14 Premier League goals, something like that, or 15 at that stage. Like he just has that in him. He's such a high volume player um, that I think that's, that's certainly within his wheelhouse. I want to, I want to speak on the, uh, the red cart incident. Uh, for Klopp, to the end go of the ahead. Game. Yeah. For Klopp is, I get why he got it, but at the same time, coming from a coach's perspective, you gotta you gotta get on the refs when it comes to the safety of your players. There were multiple times in this game that Salah was fouled, like clearly, and and nothing was called, and it happened right in front of a referee. And and if it's getting to that point where the other team's allowed to play dirty and the refs are just letting it happen, you gotta step in and say something. I mean, I think it was Rodri, right? At first, that was the first one. He pulled Salah back, took his foot out, didn't get any ball, no card, no stoppage of play, nothing. And then the incident that happened down in the corner, uh, kind of like falling over each other and then gets taken down. But Tiago slips and and happens to take out a player because his momentum takes him and he gets a yellow card. I mean, the, the refing inconsistencies would make me as a coach angry. So I totally get it, especially in a very emotionally charged match. Like you said earlier, right? These two teams hate each other. It's really like the Premier League derby. It's the closest thing you get to like a derby day without it being a derby. And, you know, he gets the red card. I get it. He got in the, the sideline ref's, like, face out of his technical area. But still. he had been screaming all game, too, at the ref because of, like you said, though, those, of there's a things. lot of instances where really the, the calls were not coming. And people are saying, like, he was letting the game flow. There's a difference between letting the game flow and just not calling very obvious fouls. Uh, the the Rodri one yes. against Salah was ridiculous too because that almost led to a City goal and it would have had to be called back like you saw with uh, with Holland's mm-hmm. foul which was a foul by the way I can't believe people are saying that it wasn't and even if that one wasn't called I read um, 
Allison actually had secured the ball in his possession and it was kicked away from him, leading to Foden's goal. So if yeah. Holland's foul was not called, that would have been called. So I, I don't know. Um, the Bernardo one was crazy because, I mean, you've seen the pictures too where like he's clearly dragging Salah down. And then actually there's a video where he gets up and like takes like two steps backwards and throws an elbow at him and kicks out at him. And mm-hmm. that's somehow not... Reviewed. And then, I, I, and then I, he's pushing multiple. He's pushing uh, who? Diogo Jota. Yeah. He, pu- he pushed Virgil Van Dyke when he came over to kind of defuse the situation. Bernardo Silva is, <laughs> yeah, like has absolutely no fear, which I, in a way, I respect. So yeah, Klopp deserved to get red carded. You can't do what he did, obviously, and I think he, he even admitted that. But you also don't blame him in the heat of the moment, uh, kind of getting fired up about it, and you know, losing his cool a little bit when you feel like. You know, the, the colors just aren't going your way. And yeah, like you said, you have to protect the players. So mm-hmm. um, interesting, interesting game. I mean, it's, you, you could break it down in, in so many ways. Um, I think what's interesting for Liverpool, too, is just, uh, you know, it's again, it, it's another kind of lineup shift. Um, you know, you have this kind of double pivot between Fabinho, Thiago to, to start the game off. And, you know, uh, Henderson finds his way into this game. And yeah, that two man midfield has kind of been Liverpool's new look you know, now in, in the last few weeks. And I, I think you have to say the performance has been better with it. Uh, they've they won now two games straight in the league, you know, playing a, a sort of a, a two-man midfield today against West Ham. They're playing like a 4-4-2, uh, not even like a, you know, kind of 4-2-3-1 like you saw a little bit. Formations are, you know, they're a little more fluid than I think people want them to be. Like City were not really totally playing a 4-3-3 on, uh, on, uh, on this game. It was really like at times like a five-back with like, I, I don't know, like a five two three at times and you know they go into possession and they're playing like a two three five like no one's actually setting up to play a two three five but you know within the game situations you find yourself there and mm-hmm. um, City are still a very good team uh, you know this obviously doesn't say you know too much about them but I, I think the the bigger picture that that has to be talked about is you know this does have an influence on the title race and Jurgen Klopp was asked about this before the game he says yeah you know this game has always been kind of a, a title decider it has always been you know in you know an inflection point of the title and it still is just not for us <laughs> um you know now it's it's more about uh, city and arsenal at least at this stage of this season that's what it's about although i'll say this liverpool were 13 points adrift of city in january of last year and it goes all the way to the last day they make up all that ground um they're currently currently just uh, 11 points off of arsenal uh you know like 11 it's close it's not that much in october i'm just saying much. it's not inconceivable that's it it's you know? just not let's not, let's not not pretend like it's it's just a totally insurmountable insurmountable lead that's it that's all i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go crazy but you know stranger things have happened stranger things have happened and I, i'll tell you this like if you're telling me that liverpool rattle off 12 straight wins they can do that just as much as City can, and they've done it. <laughs> they've yeah, they've, they've done. done it in the same way City has over the last few years. I know I've been, I've been uh, a little down on them this season because the performances haven't been there. But if we start to see more of like that was the best game that they've played this season, and that's what I think what was so bizarre to me is coming into that game they have not played that well. Uh, really, uh, truly, the last time they played that well was when they played Manchester City in the Community Shield, where they looked great and they they looked really competent and they felt wow like. They're just they're they're back again. Like they they we're just we're just gonna run this back again with Liverpool and City. And um, there's no guarantee of it, but I'm just saying, you know, no one would have seen Liverpool being in contention for a quadruple like and like uh, what like seven minutes away from it 
uh, you know, like they were in, in, in last season, you know, at the final stages, you know, so, so much can change, you know, through the rest of the season and, and post world cup. And obviously though, Liverpool have to stop getting injuries because Diogo Jota got hurt in this, unfortunately going to miss the world cup. Um, no clear timeline either on, on his injury either. Klopp just said it's going to be months. So that's obviously not ideal um, at all. Um, and yet Matip is still out and, uh, you still have uh, some injury problems there for Liverpool, but uh, altogether all uh, a great game. And, and, you know, it's just put it, put it in the, the record book for, you know, uh, the, the compilations in the future. Cause um, like I said, I, I think we need to enjoy that. We have these two teams playing the way they are. And I think this game really like catered to every type of fan, you know, like some people, their biggest, like, uh, you know, crush on, on this game was that, it doesn't have that kind of extra edge, and this game really provided that extra edge. But I would also argue if you've actually been watching this game over the last few years, it has always kind of had that extra edge. I don't know what more you could ask for when it's like teams that are like are going to finish on like 97 points respectively, and they're playing like essentially a title decider. You know, like that's what we all want, even though it isn't on like the actual last day. I, I don't know. Enough, enough about Liverpool, Man City. You know, we'll, we'll, we've given them enough uh, airtime over the years as well. Um, yeah, Arsenal beat Leeds uh, somewhat controversially. Some some VAR uh, inter- interventions in this one, but they're they're four points clear at the top. We were supposed to get Arsenal Manchester City this week, but it, it got postponed, which is a bummer. Really would have uh, have loved to watch that. Chelsea beat Aston Villa two nil. Um, apply some pressure there to Villa and Steven Gerrard, uh, especially Steven Gerrard, because um, seems like Villa really want to get uh, Mauricio Pochettino in, which would be great. Um, I love Gerrard. And I, you know, I would swap him for <laughs> Rizzo Pochettino, um, at least as a manager. Um, and I, I think if Aston Villa can make that switch, they probably should. It has been disappointing for Villa to start. Um, you know, they're just above the relegation zone right now. And I think, obviously, you know, with the spending they did, not just this past summer, uh, but really going back the, the last few seasons, this is this is not where Aston Villa wants to be. Uh, they they have much higher ambition, and when you look at Gerard's uh, record too, it's it's really not any better. I think it's actually a point worse is point worse than Dean Smith's was last year when he got sacked to bring in Gerard. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Pochettino would be great for Villa. Uh, they need a change. They need a change of something, and maybe a new manager can bring that. Um, Jared's got an experience. He'll, he'll, he'll find his way at a new club, wherever that may be. Yeah, where, where do you think he could end up? Like, do you think if, he coaches? Like, I know, I, I know like internationally, yes, he has coached in a different country, but technically like that's still part of the United Kingdom and he's staying on the same Landmass, do you think? Do you think easy, he could? Yeah, you think he easy could, though. Easy though. Watch yeah, out! Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. I need to, I need to, I to <laughs> tiptoe around. You know what I'm saying between between those two countries. Because uh, I'm tiptoeing in my blood. <laughs> do you think he goes to another country though, and and like can find success? I don't. I don't. I'd see him coaching like a championship club. Or if like Gerard a, is smart, he leaves his villa job for like a year and takes like a championship job. That's or, that is, that is that is I think if you're like abandoning ego, that's where you go from here. Hear me out. He coaches like the Liverpool U twenty threes. No, he was like already doing that. He left that to to go to Rangers. Um, and 
no no i i don't think he, he you don't you don't go from managing like a premier league team to managing the u23s like no, he, he i think he has higher ambition than that which is fair but you know there's no guarantee that you're going to be a great manager you know that that's just it well because like the only reason i ask something like that is because you know you see i i don't want to draw this parallel to like the nfl is like a very you know reliable analogy but uh you know, you see head coaches who are like unsuccessful. They'll find other jobs as like an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, assistant coach, something like that. Like, do you think he like if, if nothing? Do you think seems... him and Frank Lampard are going to team up at, at Everton? Is that what you're asking? No, heck no. First off, first off, the thought of Steven Gerrard ever helping out Everton at all just makes he was no apparently sense. on their shortlist. Uh, you know, after that would, that after would be, that would be so. wild for me to see, but. No, what I mean is like he teams up with Klopp and goes on his coaching staff. You don't think that would happen either? Like if, if not, <laughs> Absolutely if, not. <laughs> if not. Listen, if if none of the other managerial options sound like lucrative enough or like something that he wants to take, though, you know what I mean? Like no club wants to sign CVG except like Crew Alexandria. You know what I mean? Like if that was like the case, like you think he tries to? No. Okay, no, <laughs> I think there's a, a 0% chance of that. Like Klopp's staff is already like pretty set. Uh, Pep Linders is like the very clear number two and is more than likely, it seems like being groomed to be like Klopp's like true replacement. Um, and I, I just don't think there's room for Gerard uh, on that staff. And again, I think if he's, if he's smart, he just, I, it feels like sort of inevitable that he's gone from Villa at this point. Um, I think he just goes to a championship team perhaps, or maybe even goes back to Scotland because Rangers are kind of struggling again a bit. I know Ben Brock yeah, is a position that has been uh, at least up for some debate from what I've seen. So maybe returns the Rangers, you know, kind of rehabs the image a little bit, but um, I just, I, I think it's a big step up to the premier league level. It's a big step up to when you're going to a team like Villa that has like very clear ambition and expectations. Um, and you know, if, if you don't meet that, then, that's true. Going. Pochettino would be great. I, I think he'd be great for Villa. Um, you know, I, I think we've sort of been so removed from his like start with Southampton that we kind of forget that this is the kind of team and like incubation spot that's kind of been natural and good for Pochettino. So uh, that would be uh, that would be exciting to see back. Shall we take a swim across the Mediterranean, Dom, and uh, and take a trip to Italy? Bon voyage to uh, Napoli three, Bologna. Two, an exciting game. Totally, I'll be honest. Didn't expect it to be as exciting as it was. Um, I was expecting maybe five goals. I didn't expect it to be split <laughs> amongst the teams in, in such a way. Um, Napoli could have had five goals with the way they were playing. They could have, and that has been the story of Napoli this entire season. <laughs> I think you could say uh, you walk away from most Napoli games and think they could have scored five today. <laughs> um, unbeaten still, good for them. Uh, and 25 goals on the season. Victor Osiman, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the goals again today, uh, over the weekend, sorry, uh, Kavarta Scalia with, uh, with a fantastic assist as well in this game to Osiman for that goal. Um, Bologna though, I, I think there were, there were moments it felt like they were going to claw one back. You have a, frankly, a, a pretty stinky, uh, attempt at a save from, uh, Moret that just, uh, just kind of goes through his hands and, and probably should be saved from, uh, I don't know, like Musa Barrow's like, you know, 
a player that I, I personally love a lot. So that felt good. It felt good to have some like in a, in a week where like I really like fluffed up like with some Daka Ganda for Pats and Daka, and then um, you know Musa Barrow and like Pats and Daka are like my respective uh, like <laughs> my respective loves from from Italy and England that I just I'd like to see more of. I just want to see these guys play a little more. And I he, he was such more. a good talent at, at Atalanta. I feel the same way about Musa Barrow that you do. Like, I think Musabaro's still good. Like he's yeah, still he's, a, a massive. He's still a very like, he's, good player. He's also twenty three. Still, he's been around. For, he's been. He's like one of these guys that we've just. Yeah. He's been like he came up at such a young age that it feels like he should be like twenty eight by now. But he's, mm-hmm. he's still twenty three years old. Like that's still he's still in breakout territory. I, I do have to say though, this man. I, I don't think I've ever seen a player like Quarashkelia like come over to, you know, a top five leader or, or come into Italy at such a young age and be so polished in his game. Like he gets the ball and he is just creative with it, whether it's a dribble, whether he's holding the play up so he can play a cheeky pass in, which is how he set up Mario Rui, which would have been a crazy goal if he scored that one. Um, I mean, he just, he just enables so much for them. He set that one play up where I think it was him or he played the pass to the person who set up Politano and Politano skied it like he's the guy that gets it going for them and if he doesn't get it going there's other players that do as well I mean uh, uh Lobotka is just really making a name for himself this season as one of the like better you know defensive mids in the league he gets it done on the defensive end and he also can play like a really good key pass uh, to you know set, set up a chance so I, Napoli has just so many options they're playing really good soccer right now and, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like they're giving any signs of letting up right now. Uh, you know, we, we always say about, uh, about Spalletti that, you know, in January things change, but it, something about this team is a little different to me. And, and they have so many options, options off the bench. Of the, you know, th- this was basically like a squad rotation for them. And it's still a very, very strong lineup. I mean, credit to Bologna. They're still looking for their first win in the season, but like, they made it. They made it tough on Napoli. It was one-one at half, and then you know everything exploded in the second half. But I don't. I don't see Napoli letting up anytime soon. Uh, Bologna have won this season, Dom. We only have, we only have two teams that have. No, uh, no, no. Just... They said in the beginning of the game that they were still looking for their first win. Maybe win away. Uh, perhaps uh, the only two teams that have win still are. The, the same it feels like every week Cremonese Sampdoria <laughs> I've right. still uh I've still not found their way um Napoli I think outside of Real Madrid best team in Europe right now like I arguably yeah I I I, I think you can maybe even argue that they've been just as good. like they've been fantastic in the Champions League fantastic domestically um have passed so many tests I you know I just think very very good it's it is it does strike me as a little different from last season where there are games where like napoli are just so clearly the better team and um you know and and that wasn't happening quite as much last season osiman was really carrying the load last year i think offensively we talked about that so much of the season i think that's part of the reason for sort of their their late season collapse and um obviously too it's helped that he hasn't had like that you know two months off because of the injury and then afcon right but um 
yeah, Kavaradana coming in is, has been such a huge boost for them because really they didn't have that second creator last year. And I think now not only does that take the, the burden off of Osiman, it also, you know, quite literally like tactically allows you to do so many different things um, and allows the defense now to no longer just be able to hone in on, on one area and, and focus on Osiman. Now there's a, there's a new threat to be aware of that just frankly wasn't present with Insigne last season. Um, for for Napoli, he was not mm-hmm. that kind of uh, not that kind of direct player anymore. Couldn't really beat his man one on one. So, and for for what it's worth, I mean, they also went out and brought in Raspadori, and they also brought in uh, Simeone. So yep. they have multiple goal scoring options. If they even, want to go two strikers up top, they can go even two someone like Ndombele. You know, like yeah. uh, from from the midfield who who played in this game, and I thought looked pretty good. Uh, Let's not look past Zielinski either. Zielinski too has been like a mainstay. And I think he's one of. I think he's really is one of like the most underrated like midfield players in Europe. Like mm-hmm. I, I think he's just spectacular. I really think Napoli's and it's amazing too when you think about like they lost Fabian Ruiz. One of the reasons we were down on Napoli coming into the season is because of who they lost. And I think they deserve a ton of credit when you consider, you know, who they lost. And you know, yes, I, I know Insignia wasn't great, but you know, it's still like a, a leadership figure that you lose. Um, you know, you lose Therese Mertens again, maybe not like the best player at that stage in his career anymore. Still came on and scored some some big goals for Napoli last season. Uh, but you lose uh, Koulibaly, uh, you lose Fabio Ruiz. Like, there's some big names uh, to, to part ways with, and it just hasn't, I don't know, just hasn't affected them uh, really maybe in the way that, that we expected it to. So um, shout out to Napoli just showing us uh, how much we do or, or maybe in fact don't know, <laughs> you know, when it comes to, to predicting results. Uh, speaking of uh, preseason predictions, not turning out maybe the way we expect them to. Atlanta 2, Sassuolo 1, uh, another really exciting game uh, this weekend uh, that, that delivered on some promise and some action. Um, Adam Alukman, just fantastic to start the season. He's He's been unreal, uh, just uh, really strong performance again. Um, and Brendan Soppy, you know, this uh, this young uh, he plays sort of like this fullback wide position for Atalanta, um, 20 years old, fantastic, two just great assists in this game, and, and he had a, a few other like really like key passes. Uh, he looks good. If there's one thing Atalanta are going to do is every year introduce you to some young player that uh, <laughs> that just is spectacular and beds right in, and you know uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Soppy in the Premier League in like four years uh, after like a, a, I don't know, I don't know what people would be uh buying players for in four years i guess like 130 million will be like a normal price um so <laughs> looking forward to that but um atalanta 2 sassuolo 1 had some great goals in this one it's uh it's another big win for atalanta as they they march towards the top of the table sassuolo a little bit of a disappointing result uh you know they, they start off obviously uh, a goal advantage and they've, they've just kind of had this happen to them now two straight weeks where they're kind of in it with with these top teams. They lose two one to Inter uh, last week, and then lose two one to Atalanta this week. Like they just have not been able to um, really find like that killer edge in some of these games to get over the line. And I wonder if Sassuolo of last year are maybe winning these games. You know, when you have Raspadori and Skamaka still within the team, Bernie nearly had a, a, an equalizer late on that uh, that just clipped the bar and and almost sunk into the the, the far ninety would have been a top bench trademark, but uh, it wasn't to be. So. Atalanta, hold on, and I mean, just I, you know, the longer they stay within like striking distance, the more it's like hard to not sell yourself on the idea of Atalanta yeah. really, really doing something special. They, they, they definitely keep the pressure on Napoli. I mean, they just find a way to win every single time. I do want to give a shout out to Kyriakopoulos for that goal he scored for Sassuolo. What a goal that was! I mean, 
near post, top corner, full volley, like power, finesse. This goal, like, look, as, Lookman's as, goal as well was uh, spectacular. Like just like crazy. very, uh, very like aesthetically pleasing. Like cuts it back onto the opposite foot and just mm-hmm. like curls it. Get the bar down, kind of effect. Small ripple on the net, like very, very like easy on the eye. Yeah, aesthetically kind of pleasing goals, you know. Yes, that's what like, that's what we like. If ASMR it's... was like in video form, it would look like that, you know. Like it would just be very, very nice to look at. So it, I, it's, I really it's, appreciate it. It's obvious for Sassuolo that they struggle when Berardi doesn't start, right? Uh, you know where are these goals coming from? I don't think that Pina Monti is the right fit for them up top. Um, Davide Fratesi looks very good. Speaking, uh, speaking of uh, potential departures, you know, <laughs> I he, think he, he, you know, he wants out this, of there fast. I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, he almost was gone this summer. I think Sassuolo, in some ways, maybe happy Italy aren't at the World Cup because Fratesi, I think, would be. I don't know if he'd be starting in Italy's midfield, but he would. He feels like a bench. Right, he'd be in the squad, and I, I feel like you know maybe it would be a guy that makes an impact, and it'd be hard to keep him this January. Um, I yeah. feel like you know because of that, you probably keep him at least this year. But I, I yeah, what, I'd other be cho- sh- what other choices do Italy have? They have Tonali, they have uh, uh, Barella. It, who, who else? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, you put it that way, and, and maybe you know. <laughs> No Stefano Sensi love. We're not doing that. We're not doing. Uh... We're talking Piscina because Monza's doing well. Like it's you know it's I, I just don't know. Fratesi, I mean, I, I would say something like make Verratti a... if he's healthy. Obviously, yeah. is like in that midfield. But and, yes. and Fratesi, okay, and Jorginho. So yes. you know you have your four right, but like he's that other guy that on that on that you know third group game against you know one of the maybe arguably the worst team in the group of your matchups he makes his way in gets an assist or a goal and and you know changes the course of his career but you know Italy's that's all very goal. hypothetical because it's super far it's <laughs> super far in the future but and we'll be able to watch him in person perhaps in uh in so, 2026 yeah. so, like, right? is, is Verratti still going to be there is Jorginho <laughs> still going to be there who knows if so, Verratti follows the path that uh most other like generational Italian midfielder paths do yes he will still be playing insane. 2026 <laughs> He he will absolutely still be playing in twenty twenty six. Or if we know the the uh, federation of Italian calcio, like uh, they they like to keep the old regime as long as possible until until it hurts their success it's, to the point where it's where like those those, like those people that drive a car at like three hundred fifty thousand miles, like it still runs fine, you know, like it actually doesn't, it actually doesn't run fine. You can't do sixty. <laughs> In that thing, you can't take it on the highway. I don't know what to tell you. Um, elsewhere in Italy, uh, this was one of the games of the weekend coming into it. Lazio in Udinese, uh, a nil-nil draw. Um, a war of attrition in this one too, because Immobile gets injured and this pulls up a hamstring. I haven't gotten clarity on like the severity of that energy uh, uh, injury just yet, but um, not great, obviously, because he's been uh, he's been like the, obviously their their best goal scorer. He's been top scoring the league so far. So. Um, Hopefully not out too long there, but a little bit surprising when you consider these teams. Now, Lazio have been uh, still the, the best defensive record in Serie A, but both these teams have, have certainly been known for their goals this season, and Udinese especially um, you know, found ways to score, especially late in games, and he did have a few moments, but a little surprising to see it end in a nil-nil. Uh, these teams, again, you know, Lazio just won three straight games by uh, a 4-0 four, four uh, scoreline, um, so... 
we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see how this gets on, but a uh, little surprise at that draw. Well, Udinese are finding a little bit of a struggle now. They drew, they drew then. They just lost in the Coppa Italia uh, today, uh, October 19th, uh, to Monza. Yeah. They lost 2-1, so a little bit of a... A little bit of a struggle, and uh, Kyle just uh, gave us a little update. Uh, Immobile ruled out until twenty twenty three. Wow, that's uh that's fucking tough right there. Well, <laughs> that's the only the only bright side to it for Lazio is that you know the season takes a break early, yeah, because I... of the World Cup. So there is a little bit of time that you know him being out won't hurt their season. Normally, there's three four weeks of games. 2023 sounds span. worse than it actually is. Really, yeah. that's just out until after the World Cup because yeah. they're they're not even like England where, you know, once they're back from the World Cup, they're like right back. They're still taking their sort of like winter break that mm-hmm. pretty much every other league other than, than England takes. Oh. However, um, he'll be out for games against Juventus, Atalanta, and Roma. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's, bad, it's a bad stretch of, of time to be injured. I'll say this. Zakani looked really good in this game and, you know, he... I think last year had a, had a like a tough first season there, but if I see more at a if I see that Zakanya again in in games this seasons, I'll uh, I'll be I'll be a little more uh, uh, hopeful about his future there because he looked really bright. He was really only once Immobile went off, he, I, I think really the only bright attacking spot that they had, uh, especially in terms of the fray. He's like what I think people think Felipe Anderson is. Zakanya actually is. Like this, like direct kind of player that takes you know guys on one v one and creates a lot of like opportunities. Like Felipe Anderson really doesn't do that as much as I think people think. And um, you know, I, I just think they've kind of switched switched bodies. They're too busy both. putting Felipe Anderson in FIFA and using him like that, and, and you know, <laughs> they think he does that in real life. And uh, for those playing at home, that was that was Dom's first mention of FIFA. Uh, 30, 37 minutes into the in this thirty seventh minute, break out the bingo boards, guys. Thirty <laughs> seventh minute, Dom's Dom's inevitable FIFA reference. Um, I hate you. <laughs> Inter, Roma, and Milan all keep pace at the uh, the top of the table here as well, which is uh, it's good to see. I mean, we're getting again just like we had in Serie A last season, a really exciting race. Um, at some point we, we talked about it last year. It is very rare for there to be like a three horse race for a title. Um, in most leagues, it, it almost always comes down to, to two teams. It's hard to really tell which two teams my gut right now. If I, if like, if you're telling me right now, I, I gotta, I gotta pick two teams. I think I'd be picking Milan and Napoli. You think Atalanta falls off? I do, and I love the way that you sounded a little British when you said that. I really liked it. <laughs> you had a little. You had, it's giving Harry Styles. That's all well, I'll say. Well, I was trying to, you know, in a good way, pronounce pronounce my uh, Italian names with an accent, with with you know proper pronunciation. No, I'm not here. I'm not here. You kind of leaked out into the rest, right? So. <laughs> he gave me a little. He gave me a little uh, North you London think, there. You think Atalanta falls off in it? <laughs> Bergamo, bruv. Um yeah. Yes, I do, because Atlanta have done that every year. I, I you know, I, and maybe that's not a great analysis, but I like part of me. Like when I watch these teams, what I see from Napoli says to me, this is a very strong team that I, I would be surprised if they're not in the title. I really would, and I, I think they were uh, perhaps in some ways unlucky to not be more in the title race last season. 
I think again we've sort of washed from our memory that they were top of the table going into the winter break last year. Like they were, they were very good. They were very good all the way up to December last year. Um, Milan are so good. Like I've seen nothing from Milan that has said to me like they're not capable of of at least like competing for the title again this year. I felt that way coming into the season. Nothing I've seen has really scared me off that. Now I think the the goal scoring at times has been a little. A little concerning, but as long as Rafael is playing the way he is, uh, Teo Hernandez has, has played well, and I mean, France could have a very early World Cup exit, so Teo Hernandez could get some uh, some rest. It's it's France chaos here, by the way. Uh, you know, they got, in, they got in terms a proper of, Ballon d'Or winner now. You know, it's just... uh, and no holding Ballon d'Or winner has ever won the World Cup, Dom. And it is it is a it is, a, nice it is an alter- already. <laughs> and it is it is an alternate France year. There's already drama. I, Kylian Mbappe wants to buy out his contract with PSG. He doesn't want to go away to France and do promo videos because he wants his own image rights. I'm telling you, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. It already is a mess. However, yeah, yeah. back to the, back yeah. to the main point. Yeah. I just think I, I what I've seen from Milan so far this year, nothing has told me that this team can't go on. They're really no different than they were last season. And and last season it was good enough to win the title, and then they. They clamped down the head. By the way, they've done this. They've done these these results of the last month without Mike Magnon. Like yes, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, you know, like I, I just I I don't know. I, I think I think they they're, they're so good. You know, they're they're gonna get some players back. You know, from from injury over the course of the season too. They've they've been probably the most unlucky. I would say of like the top teams with injury. You know, maybe Roma, just in terms of like inopportune timing, um, have had it a little worse. But and and. Maybe Juventus too, I guess you could say, like injury wise, but I'm not sure Juventus are on that level. Like they, they just haven't. Like I, I don't think Juventus is even fully healthy with Paul Pogba here and and you know Chiesa comes back. Like if they're really at that level, but it'd be interesting to see what Juventus do second half of the season. Not title sense, of course, but in terms of finishing for like Champions League. It's actually kind of interesting to me that you're a lot more optimistic about Milan than I am. I mean, yes, they're getting these wins, and they're scra- but they're scraping out these wins against teams that should be very comfortable for them to win. How's that any different and, to them I, last I, year? I was going <laughs> to say that, right? Like, yes, they were like that again last year. As, as a fan of the club, what I want to see is improvement. I don't want to be stagnant there because what what's what's obvious right now is it's enough to get it done for the majority of the Serie A season, and then they can show up in the big games against the bigger teams. But now you're also you you want to have more ambition. You want to become competitive in Europe, and it's becoming very apparent in the Champions League about you know their form and how they're playing. It's good enough to get it done in Italy. It's not good enough to get it done in Europe just yet. And again, yes, we're dealing with injuries and this and that, so it's hard to to rotate the squad properly, especially for those midweek games. But I think that having I think that having Manjan back is is going to help. I think that you know uh, I, I'm pretty sure Rebic was was hurt. And he he's come back from injury, and uh, you know, uh, just get back into the swing of things. I do agree with you. If Rafael Leao is playing, and he's still playing the way that he's been playing, Milan are always you know in favor of winning. Uh, you know, he, he is pretty high for for the Ballon d'Or rankings as well for someone who just burst onto the scene. So, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, they turn it around and and. and can can kind of compete with Napoli early on, you know, regain some of that some of that distance or three points behind. So no need to ring any alarms, but I just I, I think Milan have looked good. I mean even yeah. in that game against Napoli that they played um again, they, they looked good. I'll oh, say I this agree. 
I'll say this, you know, I, I know it was, a, it was a dark horse team coming into the season. I hadn't totally bought in yet, but um, I, I kind of have no choice but to buy Roma stock uh, because they've been very good. And I, I think it hasn't totally been given its full. Here's the thing, too. If you look at Roma's underlying numbers, um, they're like heavily underperforming on XG. And I think I mentioned this when we did our draft. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to take them is because I feel like there's some like there's got to be some return to sometimes you're going to have these like variance years, but typically like you're going to be within roughly your XG, if not overperforming it, if you're a good team. And I just have to imagine that they find at least some return to the balance here. Um, their expected goals this season uh, per FB ref, which is my favorite because they use the stats bombs uh, model, which I think is, is my preferred 20.1 expected goals so far this season. They have actually scored. 13 goals. They're underperforming. That's, that's, that's actually crazy. They're underperforming by seven goals, which is, is significant. Just for like a reference point, um, Napoli have uh, 21.4 expected goals have actually scored. 25. Uh, Milan have 18 expected goals. They have scored 20. Uh, you know, they, and for the good teams, it's not uh, like really like uncommon for them to overperform their XG by two or three goals over the course of a season, right? And, and perhaps even more, you know, we've, we've seen teams finish with like eight or nine more uh, because better players finish expected goals at a higher rate because expected goals is based off average, you know, uh, shooter position and, uh, and strength. Udinese 13.6 expected goals have actually scored 19. Um, so I, I just, I just think if Roma, if Tammy Abraham, can find some form, like some true goal scoring form. Really, I truly mean it. Like, I, I, I think Napoli Milan are, are maybe the two out of the top six right now for me that are like, I, I think could be fighting out for the title. There is a world where Roma are fighting for a title in May. There really is. And I know that like people may clown that or whatever. And, and I know Roma have not uh, delivered on that promise a, a lot this century, but they, they have like the defensive structure for sure as well. Um, you know, but they, they, if they they can catch up to that goal scoring, uh, this could be a, a really really frightening team because they, they they have played well so far this year. I agree. You know, I th- <laughs> I, I didn't expect you to elaborate much because I know how much you uh, you don't. I know about your Roma disdain, but I'm glad you at least agreed. You know, I, that I was more that was more than I expected. Well, I was just I was uh, when right at the end of when you were talking, I looked over and I had the the PHI apparel. Uh, page back up and they have they, they have one for for the union and it's like a silhouette of steve blake and it says wake and blake yeah and i kind of just looked it's at it it's like andre blake you're thinking of steve sorry, blake, the, steve blake the, <laughs> the gritty white point guard from the trailblazers uh, uh Mar- former maryland turf you know uh but yes yeah, sorry andre blake different different people Different excuse, people. <laughs> excuse me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. You know what's oh, funny? Boy. What's I, I will say this about the table. Um, Inter is keeping pace at the top, but they're three points out of a Europa League spot. Let alone trying to get into that top four. So, you know, again, you know, you were talking about Liverpool making up eleven points, like like it's nothing. I mean, like three points for or like a six point gap, seven point gap for Roma or for Inter. I mean, isn't really that much. Um, They've had some struggles this year. Uh, you know, whenever Lukaku decided, uh, ends up coming back, that'll be big for them. But um, 
you know, I, I, I really don't think that they're really keeping pace at the top per se when it comes to Serie A, when, when you have the top three teams all within like one point, one, two points of each other, you know, they're, they're constantly just pulling away from that gap. Like you're seeing it with Juventus as well. Like they're a lot closer to a team like Salernitana than they are. Right. What, what's the, what's the gap between Juve and Salernitana? So, in the table? Juventus have 16 points. Salernitana has 10. Uh, the gap from Juventus to Roma is uh, six points as well. So. Yeah. So, so like the right smack dab of being like right there or in a really good spot. So like if, if you're making the case for Juventus, it's the case that I laid out where Pogba comes back healthy and looks good. Di Maria is healthy for the second half of the season. You get Chiesa back, which I think will be a huge addition for them. I, I think, again, we sort of washed away the idea of like Chiesa returning and what that might look like for this team and how much how much better they looked in the moments that we saw Chiesa Vlahovic last season seeing that link up. Now, Chiesa isn't going to come in right away and be the player that he was. We typically don't see players return from ACL injuries and like that. They're, they're right back. But um, I do think there's a world Juventus are better in the second half of the season, although I'm not totally better than that there's seemingly not getting rid of allegri uh mostly for for financial reasons but you could at least like if you're being optimistic i could see the case for juventus being better but I, i'm not totally bought in um i could my, totally my, see the case for inter being better though i could totally see the case for inter being more consistent and i think they've been a little unlucky in this this first yeah. like quarter of the season i will say i think they've been a little unlucky Objective me will agree with that one. It's hilarious because they've been very unlucky in the league and very lucky in the Champions yes. League. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, well, that's why I said that point uh, like a week or two ago about like it doesn't seem like Inzaghi's just like focusing on the Champions League because like they've struggled in the league. I now the he's bounces just, like, have just gone whatever. right for him in the Champions League and have not gone right for them in, in the league. I, I really think that's just, that's just what it comes down to sometimes because it's still 10 games is not a huge sample size. There could be some randomness thrown in there. And they've had yeah. like not to like not the easiest schedule, you know, to, to start the season. It's not like they've had they've been playing like cupcakes, you know, to, to start the year. So it's funny you said a an, an optimistic approach to Juventus would be that they, they they recover from this. My optimistic approach is that they continue to sink. I mean you want me to be optimistic? Yeah, Juventus will, will continue to struggle. And <laughs> some days you're the Titanic, some days you're the iceberg. You know, so Larry kind of finishes above Juventus. Like that's that's my type of optimism right there. <laughs> I think you get a little carried away. I think with uh, with Slonitana finishing above it. Hey, 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 hey! Yeah, they're they only are, eight they points are, behind. They they'll right totally make the top ten. They're yeah, right they'll make that. The they'll make the that table. ground right up. They'll make that ground right up. I'm sure. Hey. If you'd like, we can make a friendly wager on that. I'll I'll take it hey. all day. Listen, they're they're if one win and and a Sassuolo, Empoli, and Torino loss can put them up right behind Juventus. Like they they're right there. They're they're chomping at the bit. You want to make a you want to make a pod bet on it if you're feeling so if you're feeling so <laughs> so encouraged. What I will take you. What are you betting? Just just like we did with Arsenal Tottenham. It's just it's just a, it's just a friendly bet just a between friendly friends. Bet? No, no type of content no is going to be made out of this? Just... I mean, I'll make fun of you when you're wrong, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nah. Inter going to be fine. I know you Listen, don't like to hear Listen. it. I no, know I'm you not, don't like well, to I'm hear it. I'm not saying Inter's falling below somebody. I don't think that at all. No. I would have to be. That's what I thought you were saying this entire time. No, Juventus no, no, aren't no, no, either. No, no, Juventus. No. 
Like, there's a better chance of Juventus having it happen than Inter. But yeah, nah, I'm still not taking that bet. That's that's all for the for the shock value, you know. You gotta. That's that's your you know, math like, brain. Your math brain taking listen, over. Listen, listen. Like Skip Bayless does this all the time, right? And he gets a ton of viewers from it. So you know, I'm trying to trying to get that shock value. Get some new people to just listen to the pod just so they can get angry. You know, like have you ever seen that? Like people see like tweets of like you know something, and and you know it makes them angry, but they're gonna watch the video anyway just so they get more angry and make a comment the, about it. Like, the negative feedback loop that we have built ourselves with social media news is that people yeah. are actually more likely to engage with content that they dislike and that uh, upsets them rather than content. Yeah, so let me they, let they me love, let me upset so. some people. Let me upset some people. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's just say something crazy. Let's <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, within reason. Within reason. Right, like my little thing about Scotland and England earlier, maybe get some negative. Yeah, let's get the referendum back. Let's let's get let's get uh let's get Scotland out of the UK. Let's try that again. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no Salernitana. I I would like to see Salernitana in the top ten, but they're definitely not finishing above Juventus. Okay, I'm glad we could. You know, I'm glad we reached that conclusion. I'm glad we got there in the end. Let, let the hot takes rip, right? I'm glad we got there in the end. That's all I'll say. Um, Dom, anything to say? A- any other inflammatory comments before we get out of here? No. Uh, but I did get a haircut. Looks good. That's a nice haircut, Tom. You look good. Bang. <laughs> it's great. You know, like, you know what's really good for podcasts is showing off something visual. I think people... If you want to see Dom's haircut, you could go to uh, yeah, you YouTube. Gotta, you got to uh, watch the YouTube. YouTube. Underground, underground listen, listen visual podcasts are, are the future. That's where it gets started, right? Like, I guess. I, if, <laughs> I mean, we have, we have a I – don't, I don't know. I don't know. You got you to gotta, you gotta watch the YouTube videos to figure it out. <laughs> My man's like <laughs> – Christ. <laughs> Um, no more personal days for you on podcast days. Your brains get a little soupy. Uh, well, I had to make up for last week. I was very like not involved last week. So, hey, yeah. self care. It's what matters. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. Nice haircut, Tom. You look great. Go to go to YouTube uh, Underground Sports Philadelphia. Uh, check out the top ends video. See Dom's nice haircut. Only comment: nice haircut, Dom. Icy. Sick fade, bro. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back next week uh, talking about this weekend's games. Um, and by the way, I mean, just, just keep it in mind. TikTok, my friends, we're, we're a, a month away from uh, from the World Cup. So uh, keep that in the back of your brains. Uh, keep it locked and loaded on the Top Ends feed because we'll be back next week, and we'll talk to you next week.